1: America's top security experts have chosen this man. Don't take any chances. This guy's a killer. For a special mission. But first, he's got to pass one little test. Speak English,
2: does your nightingale
1: sing? Hold it!
2: However, I think I can do something with him.
1: Goodbye, Mr. Crow. Who's he? No more Boy Scouts. Take a look at this. High-altitude reconnaissance probe. Yes, we make that. There is none. Doesn't exist. These men will rob America of her might. He won't be with us for much longer. Unless someone... Relax. Can stop them. Yes. Concentrate! This is not time for prayer. Remo Williams. The adventure begins.
2: What are you watching? Your country's one contribution to the art. It's a soap opera. It is apparent to me that you know less than nothing. Place your hands behind your head. I did not say keep them there.
1: Before he's through, he'll learn to move faster than a bullet. Excellent. Not bad. Hear the heartbeat of an enemy. Trying to need to borrow him for a while. And leave no footprints in the sand. Some joker walks into one of my plants, snoops around, walks right out again, and now you're telling me he doesn't exist. Across town, a man has found his head blown off. Perfect accident.
2: And you're telling me he's going to get away with it, huh?
1: We can't stop him. You can stop him, son. It'll be my pleasure. Now, based on the Destroyer novel series that sold over 30 million copies, America's favorite tough guy comes to the screen. In a movie, Big enough to hold him. Remo Williams. The Adventure Begins.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, from 1985. The studio was Orion Pictures, the release date was October 11th, 1985. The running time, 116 minutes with the rating of PG-13. Couldn't find the budget, but the box office only took in $14.3 million, making it the 58th ranked movie of 1985. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 41% rotten from 17 reviews. Roger Ebert didn't bother to give a review to this movie, but we do have New York Times reviewer Vincent Canby, who did at the time, and here's his review. Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins opens today and is a live-action comic book of a movie. It's about an ordinary New York cop who, through an intense course in martial arts and something like Zen, is physically and spiritually reconstituted and becomes an invincible, top-secret United States agent, the sort who murders freely on behalf of good government and honesty in business. We have Harold Smith, played by Wilford Brimley. The avuncular old fellow who recruits Remo, played by Fred Ward, and he says, Professional assassination is the highest form of public service. Why? Remo Williams might ask, though he doesn't. This is a wonderful country, my boy, says Harold, but our legal system doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Thus begins Remo Williams, another elaborately produced, brutal, all too jocular adventure film which costs so much money that it's difficult to take it as lightly as it means to be taken. There's something deeply unpleasant about seeing this many millions of dollars being spent to such paltry purpose. The movie is based on a series of best-selling paperback novels by Richard Saper and Warren Murphy, is the work of Guy Hamilton, who directed some of James Bond's best films, including Goldfinger, and was written by Christopher Wood, who earlier credits include The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Remo Williams, however, is a far cry from even the worst of the James Bond movies. It recalls instead the now-defunct Matt Helm movies, the cheesy James Bond spin-offs which starred Dean Martin. Mr. Ward, who was very fine as Gus Grissom in The Right Stuff, may be too legitimate an actor to be able to believe in this sort of nonsense. Whatever the reason, he seems uncomfortable and, especially in the action scenes, including one atop the Statue of Liberty, ungraceful. He isn't helped by a screenplay that is constantly putting him in situations of direct jeopardy and then allowing him to escape by rather perfunctory anticlimactic ruses. Mr. Ward's co-stars Joel Grey, who plays Chun, the ancient Korean master of something called Sianju, by which Remo gains control of his mind and body to such an extent that he can dodge bullets fired at point-blank range. Chun, a walking fortune cookie, teaches his secrets to Remo, accompanied by such statements as, The Korean is the most perfect creature to sanctify the earth with each imprint of his foot. On the screen, far too briefly, is Kate Mulgrew, as an army major with a sense of humor, the only real one in the film. In principal support are Charles Sioff, as a crooked industrialist who snarls a lot, and George Coe, as an American general on the industrialist's payroll. William Hickey, one of the major assets in Pritzi's Honor, is on and off the screen very quickly in the role of a Coney Island Barker. And that's the end of his review. So, as you might have gathered from Canby's review, this movie... Wasn't a big hit with the critics, nor did that well at the box office. However, it did sort of have a cult following due to cable television and home video rentals. And I remember my mom really enjoying this film at the time when it first came out, but I didn't see it until a few years after that. So since I was a huge fan of The Karate Kid, the character of Chun in Remo Williams had sort of a Mr. Miyagi sort of magic to him. And though his mannerisms were far more sarcastic and biting than Miyagi's kind of fun-loving nature towards Daniel, there was definitely a connection there. All right, let's get into the main cast. You get Fred Ward, who plays Remo Williams. Ward had been acting since the 1970s, but as a review stated, his big break was as the pilot Gus Grissom in The Right Stuff from 1983. He also appeared in Silkwood with Meryl Streep and Cher. Uncommon Valor with Gene Hackman, and the underrated romantic teen comedy Secret Admire with C Thomas Howe, Lori Laughlin before she is deciding, before she's going to prison, and Kelly Preston. Joel Grey plays Chun, and Greg quite the career prior to Remo Williams. Starting in the 1950s, he appeared on Broadway, TV shows, and a variety of films. His most notable role, which won him an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, was in Cabaret with Liza Minnelli in 1972. The supporting cast includes everyone's favorite grumpy old man from the 80s, Wilford Brimley. You also get J.A. Preston as McCleary, best known as Ozzie Cleveland from uh, Hill Street Blues. Kate Mulgrew as Major Fleming, and Mulgrew is best known as uh, Captain Catherine Janeway from Star Trek Voyager. The review already mentioned the director Guy Hamilton, though it's interesting to note that Dick Clark, yes, that Dick Clark, was the executive producer for this film. All right, let's get into the movie. So the the movie starts with Sam Macon, that's Fred Ward, on patrol as a New York street cop. He's listening to the New York Knicks game as they are about to lose to the Los Angeles Lakers, who are definitely in their primetime heyday because they had a team of Magic Johnson and James Worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Sam ends up losing 50 bucks on the game because, of course, he took his Knicks and not a good bet. So Sam sees two guys beating up another guy, and he intervenes. He tries to apprehend the two supposed suspects, but he's ambushed as the other guy blindsides Sam with a two-by-four. Sam ends up taking out all three guys, but returns to his car to get something to drink, which seemed kind of random. And then a semi-truck ends up smashing into his police car and then pushes him into the river. So it is assumed that Sam is dead as the next scene is his funeral. However, he is not dead, but he's in a hospital recovering from his injuries. He's had plastic surgery on his face, and his mustache is now gone. (laughs) Because it's funny, because with the exception of the mustache, he basically looks the same. But the special effects budget, I think, wasn't that large for this film. So a man named McQueary, and that's J.A. Preston, uh, informs Sam of what was done to him. So Sam Macon is now considered deceased, and his new name is Remo Williams and has been recruited by a secret organization. His new name was actually found on his hospital bedpan. (laughs) The organization is outside of the government, or at least not claimed by the government, and it's meant to take down crooked cops and judges and politicians. So Remo decides to leave the hospital without being discharged, and he steals an ambulance. The ambulance driver is none other than Reginald Johnson best known as Carl Winslow in the sitcom Family Matters, and Sergeant Al in the original Die Hard. However, McQuarrie is in the ambulance, and it's clear that Remo's every move will be monitored. This is where we meet Harold Smith. He's the head of the organization, and he's played by Wilford Brimley. Smith gives Remo the facts of life. The organization owns Remo, whether he likes it or not. He will do the missions given to him, or he will be terminated for real. So, Remo is tasked with performing a hit right off the bat. Mac doesn't say anything about the job, just to make it quick and get out. Remo finds an older Korean man in the apartment drawing quietly, and things don't go as planned for Remo as he discovers that his hit is actually the Korean guy. The guy dodges bullets, much like Neo from The Matrix, which makes me wonder if this movie, or at least these scenes, inspired The Matrix. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, Remo gets his ass kicked by basically falling over himself. Of course, this whole thing was just a setup. The man's name is Chun, that's Joel Grey, and he's assigned with training Remo, a special form of martial art that very few possess. However, what makes the Chun character great is the one-liners, and it's really awesome, and every scene he's in, he really steals the show. He is absolutely what makes this film what it is. So Chun's first impression of Remo is he's really slow, His reflexes are pitiful, he's uncoordinated, he's in wretched physical condition, impetuous and clumsy. He moves like a baboon with two clubbed feet. However, he has a feeble glint of promise in his eyes, I think I can do something with him. And we're off and running with Chun. (laughs) So Remo is to live with Chun and train with him nonstop. Remo's second meeting doesn't go too well either. Breathe.
2: Breathe. (laughs) Come on, you got Silence. Fool chatos, what is the wise man that listens? Breed.
1: All right, now, wait a minute. Is this going to be the kind of training where we sit around for 10 years
2: and you tell me I'm big enough to break a brick with my big toe? Mm-hmm. Ah. To the care of Chun, master of Shinanju. Shinanju is a village in Korea where all the fighting arts were born. Kung Fu, karate, ninjutsu. They are all but shadows. Shinanju is the sun. Most intelligent people know this already, but it is apparent to me that you know less than nothing. Pay attention. You did not ask to be white. So perhaps that is not your fault. You did not ask to be here. Perhaps that is not your fault either. So let us make this pact. I will train you for your foster service, and then I will return to my country. (sighs) Uh. 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 (sighs) Fedesha, knob ends shinan technique developed since the birth of time by the most gifted race on earth you always talk like a chinese forcing cookie uh, chinese the korean is the most perfect creature ever to sanctify the earth with the imprint of its foot uh. We will
0: breathe. A few training exercises include breathing with Chun standing on Remo and running on a high-rise ledge. Chun is basically trying to remove all instances of fear from Remo. In the meantime, Smith and Mac are looking at a corrupt businessman named George Grove who seems to be involved with foreign agencies looking to infiltrate the United States. Remo is not thrilled with the food being offered by Chun. This also leads to an amusing scene involving a Korean fingerboard and the history of Sinanju. The dialogue from Chun is just the best here.
2: Alright, what have you done with the food? A Korean fingerboard. What are you staring at? You can't see. I can see. <laughs> what are you wearing those for? I wear glasses so that I may see more. A Korean fingerboard. Begin to tapping your fingers slowly at first, and then increasing the force. With time, your nails will become hard, your fingers strong. They will be able to do more than just carry food to your face. They will become a trained weapon.
3: Trained to kill.
2: Not kill. A truck kill. Meat of cow, kill. American assassins, kill. Like butchers. Masters of Shinanju since the dawn of time, have killed to promote harmony and to bring about a more peaceful humor to the entire community. We have done this throughout history. For example, Genghis Khan, uh, the Persian boy, Alexander, um, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. A bandit, Louis the Napoleon. Oh, come on, Napoleon died in his bed. Wrong. All of them, perfect assassinations.
3: You make it sound like a public service.
2: Professional assassination, it's the highest form of public service. So I will pursue here. I have taken the Emperor Smith's gold, and a Korean's word is his bond. Place your hands behind your head. I did not say keep them there. Your reflexes are pitiful. The seasons move faster. No doubt, the result of all that filthy poison you have been stuffing into your belly. You know why Americans call it fast food? Because it speeds them on the way to the grave. (laughs) As I feared, you have no sense of humor. From now on, you will eat rice. Eat rice and play with my fingerboard. Great. Keep it near you at all times. Hang it on a wall. How? Find a nail.
0: (sighs) For all the enlightenment that Chun offers, he loves TV soap operas, which makes Remo incredulous, but he continues to work on his balance, which means jumping on boards and various objects throughout the apartment. Everything is going great for Remo until Chun turns out the lights.
2: Every man is occasionally blessed with luck. Now, down.
1: My pleasure. Down is easy.
2: Hey, hey, what happened? You rely on what you know, not what you see. What is your problem? Whoa!
0: Pathetic. All right, so as it turns out, Grove Industries sold the military a batch of weapons that are defective, as we come to find out during a military training exercise in which a machine gun backfires and blows up in a cadet's face, which kills him. General Watson is in cahoots with George Grove and is told to bury the report, of the faulty weapons. Essentially, Grove Industries doesn't want to lose their weapons contracts, so this problem needs to go away. However, Major Fleming, and that's Kate Mulgrew, senses something is being covered up and continues to investigate. More on that later. So we go back to Remo's training, and this time he's on a Ferris wheel. Well, he's actually hanging off a Ferris wheel cart as it spins around while Chun calmly sits inside the cart.
2: Breed. You did the hell. Do not waste it. Relax. Relax. Will you hang there all day, or may we continue the exercise, please? Jesus, concentrate! This is no time for prayer!
0: So there's a funny scene where Chun wins a giant stuffed animal, which is a pink panther, after easily throwing five rings on a group of Coke bottles. Chun, as only he can say, Just remember, I won it. Remo's reflexes are getting better each day, and he's dodging two bullets shot by Chun as he could hear Chun's tendons flexing before he fires the gun. Major Fleming continues to press Grove on his faulty weapons and large military contract. But this means her life is now in danger, but the secret organization is monitoring Grove and his hitman. Soon, Remo begins to walk and run on air and not even realize it. Chun's training is working well, though Chun won't give him the satisfaction of knowing he's progressing nicely. Chun even cracks that Remo will be ready soon, in about 15 years. (laughs) But Mac needs Remo to postpone his training temporarily in order to guard Major Fleming on the downwell without her realizing it. Chun continues to train Remo and cure his silly fear of heights, so Remo has to scale the Statue of Liberty. However, in the middle of his training, Grove's goons hire the construction workers who were renovating the statue to basically knock him off the top of the statue's scaffolding. This is a great scene, and the, the audio clips won't do it justice, but the action is just great. So the rest of the film involves Remo and Chun trying to protect Major Fleming and also take down Grove. The action scenes are definitely well done and the story is engaging enough to keep you interested. However, as I've said many times, the main draw of this film is the character of Chun. So enjoy some of his great one-liners.
2: Men should stay home and make babies. Preferably man-child. Every man is occasionally blessed with luck. In Korea, door handles do not break. Kung Fu, Karate, Ninjutsu, they are all but shadows, Shinanjo it's the sun. old are you? Yeah. I mean, really, you are old, aren't you? For an apricot, yes. For head of letters, even more so. But for a mountain, I am not even begun in years. For a man, I am just right. Minute two, eight. The trained mind does not need a watch. Watches are a confidence trick invented by the Swiss. Professional assassination. It's the highest form of public service.
1: Yeah, well, uh how do you get, get out, out of, here? of here?
2: The same way you came in. Fear is nothing more than a feeling. You feel hot, you feel hungry, you feel angry, you feel afraid. Fear can never kill you. Not kill. A truck, kill. Meat of cow, kill you know why Americans call it fast food? <clears throat> because it speeds them on the way to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> it would be better for you to eat this can than what is inside of it. Why must everything in this country be covered with Monosodium monic- 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 glutamate. You can't even say it. I can say rat droppings. It does not mean I want to eat them. Remember, perfection is your road, not a destination. Oh, I love it when you talk like that. You rely on what you know, not what you see. If you do not breathe correctly, you do not move correctly. Your reflexes are pitiful. The seasons move faster. You move like a baboon with two club feet. You move like a pregnant yak. You drive like a monkey and eat! (laughs) (laughs) You're incredible. No! I am better
0: than that. What's interesting about Joel Grey is that he's not Korean, and actually he's of no Asian heritage at all. He's actually of Jewish descent. And that being said, the Chun character is played with respect and dignity, and he's definitely the highlight of the film by far. And Grey had to sit through over four hours of makeup every day to transition into the Chun character. So one of the Grove villains is Michael Pataki, who actually played the Russian diplomat for Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. He's the one that Drago pushes down during the final fight in Russia. All right, some fun facts. The idea of Remo Williams was to have a series similar to James Bond, but an American version. Unfortunately, when the film bombed at the box office, hope of a series went away. And so that's why in the title it says The Adventure Begins, but basically it should have been the, be- the Adventure ends, Begins and Ends here. Screenwriter Christopher Wood was interviewed years later about why the film did so poorly. He suggests that Fred Ward wasn't the best choice to play the lead character and that Ed Harris would have been a better choice to play Remo. Ed Harris was actually up for the part and ironically also appeared in the film The Right Stuff, playing John Glenn with Fred Ward. Bruce Willis was also considered to play Remo, but he was an unknown at the time. Christopher Wood also said he wrote a great action finale that was cut from the film. So a TV pilot was made and aired, but never went to series. Jeffrey Meek was cast as Remo and Roddy McDowell as Chun. And actually, Stu, who's going to be a guest at the end of this podcast, discusses watching this actual pilot. Crazy enough, Remo Williams was actually nominated for an Academy Award in 1986 for the Best Makeup category for Carl Fullerton, but they lost out to the Cher movie Mask, which also came out in 1985. All right, so this is definitely an underrated movie. It is, uh, you know, the critics panned it, but it is of the time, and its I think it's a fun movie. And again, if, even if you don't like the movie as a whole, you're gonna love Chun. The Chun character they really could have done something with, I think. Uh you know, maybe I don't know, maybe it should have been called, you know, Chun, but <laughs> or something like that, but I don't know if that would have sold as well. Um, you know, the Remo Williams is is supposed to be like James Bond. But again, I like Fred Ward, but maybe he wasn't the best choice uh, for this film. But we'll get into that because we have a couple guests who will discuss this film, all who enjoy this movie, and it's Eric Sinzak, who's always great. Of course, Stephen Michael from the Grown Up Rock podcast. And as I mentioned, Stu, who you remember from the Karate Kid and Vision Quest soundtrack episodes. So enjoy that. And I'll be back next week for yet another movie from my DVD collection. All right. We're back with Eric Sinzak. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me back. So we're going to this is an interesting one. I don't know if many people have seen this, and I'm really glad that you know of this movie. Because this is kind of an uh, underrated gem. I, I don't even know if i call it a cult classic. Because I, I just think people haven't... Unless they live through it, or like me, my my mom loved this movie. So that's the only reason it's I remember
3: it. It's a classic. Yeah.
0: Yes. But Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which... It began and ended with this film, but that's unfortunate
3: uh, too because it's a bla- it's a badass
0: movie, man. It, it is, it is, and and a little bit of backstory: they were supposed to do a trilogy. They had signed Fred Ward to uh, to do three movies, and I guess this movie just didn't do that well, which is unfortunate because it had all the elements of a, of a great series. Uh, so, how did you see this the first time?
3: Uh, I caught it on VHS. My dad, uh, I think, had a copy of it when we were kids, and we were at the video store and he saw it and was like, yeah, we're getting this. And I think cause he liked Fred Ward from the right stuff. Yes. And Gus Brissom. Yeah. I mean, we were just, you know, I think we just picked it up when we were kids and, and I bought it or we bought it and, you know, and I think I wore the tape out and bought another one. So yeah. Wow. So, <laughs>
0: The other great movie he was in right around the same year. Uh, did you ever see Secret Admire with Lori Laughlin and uh, um, see Thomas Howell?
3: Oh, sounds familiar, but I can't swear to it. So He plays right. a
0: great psycho character he plays one of the dads in it and uh he, he kind of gets into this like threes company type of mix-up where uh he reads the wrong letter and things like that and uh, he's great in that too he's a really good character actor and it's uh it was kinda, i think they thought this would be a vehicle for him to, be, to you know potentially be uh, a leading man
3: oh yeah yeah i could see it i mean i i'll have to go look at look for that one because i don't think i have
0: seen that Mm, that, yeah that'd be a fun one for you it, it's a typical 80s like kind of fun romantic teen comedy so and i yeah. own it so we'll probably be talking about it in the next 30 years so oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get right into it so this movie is almost kind of like uh, they were kind of saying it was they wanted it to be like the united states james bond so to speak but then it kind of almost has like a a karate kid feel to it because you have chun who is like the the master of everything you know
3: yes Yes, Joel Gray playing Chun,
0: and he's right. amazing. <laughs> yes, there are so many one-liners in this film. I don't. When, when is the last time you've seen it?
3: Oh, it's probably been four or five years. I caught it maybe on uh, TBS or something, cable, TNT or something like that, yeah. late at night, flipping channels, and there it was. And I was like, dang, I'm leaving it. There it is.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you. So the plot see, is very convoluted. It, to me, this film. And maybe that's what the reason it didn't do as well. But uh the scenes with Chun are just priceless. Oh yeah,
3: he, yeah, his getting his ass kicked the whole time when he's trying to learn something is just just hilarious. I think it's great because he's he's the everyman who thinks he knows everything and thinks he can do everything. But then when he realizes he's, he's humbled at every turn by this little dude who,
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> you know, it's just oh well, that's just. Sweet. That's the best parts of the film to me. You know, the other stuff, the military stuff is fun. But, you know, it's seeing him, you know, go in there and try to at the very beginning, try to kick his ass or shoot him and everything. And then seeing him dodge bullets and then, you know, get his gun whipped, ripped away from him. And, you know, oh, yeah. That part.
0: <laughs> you know, him, he's, he's on the top of the uh, Statue of Liberty. I mean, there's some really great scenes in this.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh From diving into sand, and actually, you're going to laugh at this, and and even the comical parts, even the funny stuff, the little stuff, I still, my brother and I, we watched this a lot when we were kids. We'll Mm -hmm. say stuff, we'll say little lines, uh, and and we'll remember exactly what it's from. And one of them is from Remo Williams. We'll say, just remember, I want it. It's mine. It was from... When he won the Pink Panther, yes. at, at Coney Island, that was from that movie.
0: <laughs> it, which is great because that's it, that's a great scene where he, its the Coke bottle game where you throw the little discs to try to get it onto the Coke bottles, and it's pretty much impossible. But he does like what six, seven in a row, <laughs> like no problem.
3: Yeah, <laughs> the, the dude smoking his cigarette,
0: watching him, was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's walking away with this giant stuffed Pink Panther, you know, dragging it behind. <laughs> There's also some great character actors in this. Of course, you have the. The grumpy old man that was in – it seems like he was in every 80s movie, Wilford Brimley. Yep. Diabetes. 80s. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to say it. Oh, man. And, and really, uh, it, it's weird. This this is kind of a weird movie because they do get into – i I'm trying to remember the, the plot. I guess it had to do with – they were trying to – it had to do with some sort of weapon um, disarmament or something like that where I guess a side company was trying to – to sell faulty weapons to the to the United States government, and they were trying to unearth this, but they're kind of like a secret society that isn't approved by anyone.
3: Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was a company that was selling uh, a system that wasn't actually real. It was or uh, a fake satellite called HARP, mm-hmm. and they were going to put this thing in space, but really, I think what they were doing is funneling defense dollars for a black program. Right. So when they went in to investigate this satellite um, that was in this. Um, building that's when the thing blew up because they were getting too close to finding out what was what the thing really was so that's you know it was sort of the era you know the reagan era of course star wars and all the stuff going on in there and everybody was wanting to know what our you know defense dollars are going for so this Plays into that a little bit, I think, at that time. It, you know, everybody's, you know, wondering where all this money's going for for the Cold War. So that storyline did build into it a little bit.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And it, it is of the time you watch this movie, you could see, you know, it, it is of that era. So I think maybe somebody younger might watch this and, and not really understand uh, where the country was at, at at that, you know, time period.
3: Yeah, it's it, it, people will who are, you know, in their 20s now would watch and go. Yeah, I don't really care about this or get it, you know? Right.
0: But that's the great part about the training scenes with Chun, because that, that's pretty much what carries this film. Yeah, absolutely.
3: (laughs) And, and Joel Gray, just, he's so, he's so stoic. So he's such a great actor. I mean, he was a Broadway actor and film actor, and he's, he can, he's molds himself into anything. Yeah. I think, you know, and for a lot of people who are older people who, see him play this character and they've seen him and if they ever see him in Broadway, you know, they see him in Broadway and do other stuff like that. It, it's a very surprising character for him to play, mm-hmm. but you know, he's a chameleon so he could play anything. So it's, it's, it's pretty neat to see him do that. He just d- melts himself into it. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, he was in the film version of Cabaret, you know. <laughs> so, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty awesome. I think that's where I, I it would have been great if there was at least a sequel or, or even a trilogy for this because they might have got they might have got into the like the the backstory about Chun because you really don't know much about him even in this film. They don't really get into it.
3: No, they don't. You you just know he's there the agency knows about him he trains the best of the best for them they bring somebody to him who's a potential he takes him he makes somebody better you know if somebody's you know got sort of what it takes to become an agent he they just take whatever the raw meat is and just right. sort of refines it turns it you know into something that's the that's much better than what they could be so <laughs>
0: Exactly. And he is absolutely dedicated to that uh, organization that even admits to Fred Ward that, look, like, if I have to take you out, I will, you know.
3: Right. I'm not going to let you do something that is not a part of what our plan is. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah.
0: Though by the end, you kind of think, well, maybe he would, He maybe he would let uh, <laughs> Remo live because he does kind of have a soft side at them, even though it's kind of a uh, hit in his own way, you know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. The ending is fun. It's very eighties. It's very, there's almost like a supernatural feel to this film as well.
3: Oh yeah. It's uh, the whole dodging of bullets and stuff like that. The, the, the whole shinanju is what the martial art was that he Mm. practiced. And it had a bit of, you know, the whole, when he could, when he could, you know, use like mind control to do stuff. It was pretty, pretty cool. And uh, just the whole ethics of ethos of his martial art was really neat to me. And I don't know, I thought, I thought it was neat. I always, when I grew when I was growing up, you know, of course you're influenced by, you know, being of the age I was when I was growing up, I, I was influenced by martial arts films and stuff like that. So anything I, I like this, I latched onto and I thought it was just amazing to watch. So this was one of those that I thought was cool.
0: Oh, yeah, and then when I was a kid, seeing him run on water, I was like, how's he doing this? You know, this is amazing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The the scene at the end where he's running on
3: water to the boat, it was like, what? Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's a perfect ending, you know? So I I take it you would recommend this to someone who hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time?
3: I I would strongly recommend it, and it's got a great watchability factor. Um, And if you don't, you know, it's one of those things where, you got to remember when it was made and, you know, if you're a younger person watching it, just say, oh, man, it's, you know, it's an, it's an 80s action flick. Just Just enjoy it. Just sit back, you know, grab some popcorn, just enjoy it
0: exactly exactly enjoy it for what it is and uh yeah they don't make movies fun movies like this anymore which is unfortunate
3: yeah and i really wish there was a trilogy to the whole thing because it would have been cool
0: (laughs) yeah i agree i agree i I think it's too late now but the way they do remakes nowadays who knows maybe it would come back
3: yeah it should
0: Uh, (laughs) it should (laughs) again thank you so much eric
3: all right thanks a lot brian
0: all right, we're back with one of our favorite guests. It's Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock podcast, as he's for me to say. Welcome back, Stephen.
4: What's going on, Brian? How you doing? The, uh, the Siskel and Ebert of uh, podcasting world, my friend. That's
0: right. I love that. Uh, which is, I'm glad we're both alive still. That's uh, that's all I care about.
4: So. Thank, thank God for that.
0: Thank God for that. So, we're gonna talk about a movie that, uh, if you grew up in the '80s, you might know, and even if you did grow up in the '80s, you might not know either, because it's kind of a—I don't even want to call it a cult classic. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. It's kind of a, a generation thing, and if you had HBO or cable at the time, so I—I can't imagine you saw this in the theater when it first came out.
4: You know what? I don't—I don't think I did, but it's so hard to remember back to that—to the—that time, but. Uh, I really couldn't tell you with this uh, particular flick, but I know I got it fairly fresh uh, out of the gate, so whether that was on uh, TV or not, I don't, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because the title, which is kind of long, is uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, and so it's implying that there's going to be sequels from this, and and obviously it didn't happen because it it wasn't that successful. When you watched the movie, did you see, like, oh, man, this should have been something that they should have made more of?
4: Well, the other thing is, too, I swear when this movie came out, it wasn't called uh, Remo Williams, the adventure begins. And I may be wrong. I know it was released under, uh, Remo unarmed and dangerous at one point in time, but, Oh, really? Yeah. I, I just don't, I swear I don't remember. And like I said, it was so long ago, I may be foggy minded. That, uh, happens often because, you know, I'm old as shit, but whatever. (laughs) Um, you know, when I saw this movie in the theaters, to me it was definitely something that they could have made a sequel to, but I don't think, you know, in 85 were they making that many sequels to movies and stuff, certainly not like they are now.
0: No, I mean they Hollywood is officially run out of ideas and it's it's obvious everything's gone to TV, but you would see some, I mean obviously Rocky and Rambo um some of the Superman movies But yeah it wasn't as prevalent as it is today I mean maybe some of the low budget ones You know I guess they've always done sequels For the monster movies and things like that But it wasn't uh, you know An obvious sequel uh, Some of those old movies they, There was almost ever even no connection With the exception of having the main character in it You know?
4: Yeah nowadays they just take uh, Old movies and just redo them They don't exactly. even make sequels out of them It's like here this movie was released 20 years ago let's just make a new one
0: Right, and, that, and this seems like you could almost do it with Remo Williams, uh, because it didn't do well, and uh, maybe today it would do it do better because of uh, you know, I, obviously the star of the film uh, by the title should be Remo Williams, but it's actually
4: Chun. Yeah, agreed, uh, and I think uh, uh, Joel Gray. He, you know, this movie didn't do that well, uh, but Joel Gray, he he won a. Um, uh, like an award for his role in this movie, I think like a Golden Globe or he something. Did. Uh, so that's that's amazing for a movie that really was basically under the carpet. And to me, this movie was sort of the first, uh, well, Let me let me rephrase myself. It was one of the earlier, what I would consider almost superhero-like movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, it, yeah, it wasn't a guy with superpowers or anything like that, but he could do some pretty cool shit, right?
0: Oh yeah. It was almost like supernatural, you know, he had these, uh, almost like telekinetic powers and he could, you know, could do things with his mind and uh, yeah, it was different. It was almost, um, a more supernatural way than like Mr. Miyagi, you know, uh, that, that kind of the old wise sage type of guy.
4: Right, and was this movie before or after Karate Kid?
0: It would have been a year after.
4: Okay, because I mean, you know, it it, it relied heavily on uh, the whole art of martial arts and yes. things like that. Uh, but it also had some, like you said, supernatural things with him being able to avoid bullets and mm-hmm. and things like that. Very super cool, you know.
0: And that was oh. All... For me, the most fun part of the movie it was like the training scenes and him in the in the little apartment, and you know this guy who's so like it you know he's he's so spiritual in a way and he's got all these great you know thoughts, and then he's addicted to soap operas. It's kind of that dichotomy that's great,
4: yeah, and I enjoyed the uh the covert operation. <laughs> um backstory to this mm-hmm. movie you know where the guy was a cop and he was essentially killed and they uh you know sort of faked his death and bought him back under these uh Different premises and changed his face, and although it didn't really change his face that much, they shaved his mustache.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't look any different. No,
4: still Fred Ward. Yeah. So did you uh, so,
0: did you understand the plot? Because to me, I think, especially as a kid, I don't even think I understood what the hell they were doing. I just was interested in in the action and things like that.
4: Yeah, I think overall I understood the plot. I mean, you know, it was kind of this um, uh, black op operation that uh, set forth to uh, bring down uh, some of these corporations and companies that were uh, technically legal but doing the wrong thing, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. And selling Uh, uh, faulty um, weapons, too, you know. Yeah, right. You
4: know, it was uh, not unlike uh, any other large company, like companies that do the chemicals and uh, put them in the dump them into the earth and get away with it. And this guy happened to be just, you know, an arms dealer who was dealing to the U.S. government. So he was a legal arms dealer, but he was dealing shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I, I understood all that from the from the get go.
0: I think that might have been one of the... It, it was also kind of a long movie for the time. It was It was almost... I think it was two hours long. And, uh, you know, action movies at that time, I think were closer to an hour 45. And uh, and maybe that hindered this movie. I'm not sure why it didn't do well. I, I, I still don't understand. Because it seemed like it had all the, uh, you know, the, the necessary parts to make a successful action movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I
4: would have been uh, 16, 17... Uh, 18 years old at the time of this release and I remember enjoying it back then uh, watching this movie the other day I mean I you know probably didn't enjoy it as much as I did when I was younger but I did enjoy it even while re-watching it uh, just the other day and one of the things that was really cool for me that I enjoyed was uh, the fact that this takes place kind of during the whole restoration period of the Statue of Liberty, so yes, uh, it makes you remember all of that, and I think the Twin Towers and and just had all these different scenes that you tend to forget about in society today.
0: Definitely, and, and I think that you definitely brought it up. But one of the the highlights of this movie is the is the Statue of Liberty scene when they're um, they're on they're actually on the Statue of Liberty, like doing all these stunts and everything.
4: Yeah. Uh, so definitely um, it resonated with me again I enjoyed it and yeah I can't pinpoint why it didn't uh, resonate with people at the time of its release maybe it wasn't uh, you know maybe the guy didn't have cooler superhero powers or maybe it was just Fred Ward and he was just kind of the normal dude but
0: well, that's that's my next question. How, how do you feel about Fred Ward as the main character? Because up to this point, he'd pretty much been a uh, kind of a side character. Uh,
4: yeah. So Fred Ward. I mean, I don't remember a lot about him at the time of this release. Um, so I didn't feel one way or another. I mean, it wasn't like he was portraying Batman or Superman or something like that. So I mean, I didn't I didn't personally have a problem with it at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I knew him from um, Was the, the Right Stuff He played uh, Gus Grissom And, and kind of had an important role And uh, another one of my parents' favorites Because they, they would watch all sorts of movies uh, My mom loved this movie But uh, Secret Admirer Did you see that with um, Laurie Laughlin and C. Thomas Howell and, and, Yes, uh, that yeah. was a
4: great movie that was, yeah. uh, I enjoyed that movie quite a bit
0: Fred Ward I think he plays the father of Kelly Preston in that one
4: uh yeah i don't god it's been ages since i've seen that movie but i remember that was a movie i had on VHS tape at one point in time because exactly. i enjoyed that movie
0: so. i do i do own it so we will we will definitely be talking about it at some <laughs> point in the next uh, 30 years so that'll that'll be good uh other characters in the film wh- who else stuck out for you and uh, what are your some of the more memorable scenes that you took away from after re-watching
4: it Oh, the same, the same guy uh, stuck out for me in this movie that sticks out with me in every movie that he, that he's in, which is Wilford Brimley. That's I, right. I, I love Wilfred Brimley, man. Me too. There's, there's just something about it. I think uh, this movie, uh, he was very good. He reminded me a lot um, of the character he plays in The Firm. Yes. Um, you know, just kind of that... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. There's just something about Wilford Brimley that I've always enjoyed. And um, I don't want to say he's typecasted, but a lot of times his character comes off similar in movies that he's in.
0: Yeah. He's kind of this like cantankerous uh, old guy. He's always got kind of the same demeanor. He played the same type of character as the manager of uh, Roy Hobbs's team, you know, Robert Redford in The Natural. You know, Mm -hmm. the same, same era. Uh, He just always had that sort of uh, that attitude and he's, he's perfect in that role.
4: Yeah. He's always a no nonsense, no bullshit kind of guy, but he comes off. as pretty wise, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's the best way to put it. Uh, And what are some of the memorable scenes for you?
4: Um, For really similar to you. I enjoy all the training uh, stuff that he went through. I love the part where they break into the, um, uh, I don't know, it's like headquarters or whatever mm-hmm. uh, where they're designing that thing and uh, the dogs. Yes, <laughs> the dogs go and uh, jump and pull down the uh, ladder and go up the ladder and he's Fred Ward's kind of like you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> uh, so I enjoy those types of uh, funny um, scenes. The scenes with uh, Fred Ward and Joel Gray uh, are always great because Joel Gray's character is just so... Um, uh, you know, so zen, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, wise when Joel Gray's watching uh, the soap operas and holding himself up with his fingers, yes, <laughs> uh, and eating the eating the rice and all that stuff. Uh, there's just so many good scenes. I mean, I just thought it was a good, solid movie. I like the part where he grabs uh, the guy out of the car and uh, the guy has a diamond in his tooth and he basically slams it up and says, who's your who's your dentist, Tiffany's, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's just, you know, even rewatching it again, like I said, it, it kept my interest. I enjoyed watching it again, which is, I mean, eighty five. That's a long time ago, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and the other thing with Chun is he, he's almost like a stand up comic with his uh, one liners. Uh, he just yeah, it's 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 really funny how he keeps getting Fred Ward on everything. He always has a a, a rebuttal to anything he says.
4: I would be interested uh, in seeing a remake done these uh, these days with uh, this movie. It would, I think, it could be uh, pretty uh, outstanding actually.
0: I agree. I and I, I think it's. It's not one. I think the problem with a lot of remakes is they they're doing remakes for movies they don't need to remake. Like people already love the original, so why not do this? And it's not that they don't love you know this one, but I think not enough people have seen it that they could get away with with doing it. Uh, You know, I I think that it would it would do maybe better or maybe be better as a TV series that they could do on Netflix. I don't know.
4: Yeah, the other thing I remember about this movie is uh, it had a Tommy Shaw song in it. Oh really? I did, I must have missed that. What song? It was um, a song called "What If" that Tommy Shaw had written as a solo career. I think it's on one of his solo records, but okay. it's kind of a um, the Remo Williams theme song, uh, and it plays uh, right when Fred Ward steals uh, breaks out of the hospital and steals the uh, ambulance. Ah. Uh, that's. That's when it plays, and you know, Tommy Shaw's voice to me is recognizable almost instantaneously. I would never
0: See this is why you ha- we have you on Steve you catch these things like like that so Yeah it's
4: just a you know it's a nice pop tune pop rock song it's not a it's not a hard rock or metal song it's just a good uh Tommy Shaw pop tune uh, pop rock song and uh you know it's it's cool it's all good with me
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we're going to we're going to leave it at that. But you would definitely recommend uh, if people miss this. And I think a lot of people did. They should they should if they can find it, they should come and and check it out.
4: Yeah. And I think I watched it on um, it was either on Netflix or it was on Amazon. But it's it's free out there to a lot of uh, the streaming services. So you can find it. Go check it out. Remo Williams. The Adventure Begins.
0: Perfect. Thank you as always, Stephen.
4: Thanks, Brian. Take care.
0: Alright, so you loved him on the Karate Kid episode. (laughs) You loved him on Vision Quest. He even did trivia with the replicants with Lindley. That's right. And uh, he was on my side for that one. Mm -hmm. We're back with Stu. Welcome back, man. Hey, good to be back. Good, and uh, so we're going to talk about, I can't even call it a cult classic, because I just don't think a lot of people have seen it past our generation. Mm Uh, and that is Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which implies that there probably was going to be a sequel, and mm-hmm. just didn't do well enough.
5: Did you read up on any of this at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. They, they wanted
0: it to be a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you, uh, so 1985, did you see this in the theater, or was it a cable, or I video? feel
5: like I probably saw this on TV at some point. Okay. I don't think I saw it in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I was watching, I was like, what year was this? Yeah. Like, I, didn't, I didn't remember right because it's like was it before the Karate Kid was it after the Karate Kid Mm -hmm. you know what was going on but then afterwards I like kind of researched some of the stuff and I was like oh so it was right after it was literally a year after right
4: right Karate Kid I think this
5: Karate Kid was
0: 84 yep
5: and then this one was uh 85 Mm -hmm. yeah and then also what else was going on there was um is it like Rambo and oh yeah um, a lot so I think there was a lot of um, action action movies a lot of blood and gore that kind yeah, of yeah because
0: um, it's almost like a I don't want to say Indiana Jones but it's kind of got that adventure part yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, the Karate Kid you bring up a good point because of Chun mm. like that that's the that's the what I was trying to figure master. out like uh, did they come up with this
5: concept right or did you know was it pulled from something else so I also read mm-hmm. that and I think it was Wikipedia yeah so <laughs> that's <okay>. be completely <laughs> bullshit but um uh that the director mm-hmm. and producers they both worked on like um james bond films yeah so it was like you know james bondish sure but then it was also um like bruce lee um so they're adding all these different types of movies into yeah. this one which was and
0: maybe that's why it failed like it was kind of the movie that didn't really know what it wanted to be mm. so yeah you, could, the you have the martial arts aspect right. with chun but then you also kind of the traditional spy you yeah. know and so it's like where do we want to go with this and how did you feel about fred ward as as like the leading character i
5: thought it was um i thought he did a good job he was like this you know bronx kind of uh tough guy yeah right? he yeah. wasn't like a smooth he wasn't a james bond no. for sure right he um wasn't a karate master no. <laughs> right so he's just like this dude who could like fight like yeah. just had that i the kick your ass kind mm-hmm. of type thing and like i think that's the first scene right where it's, where he first gets, uh, he's a cop and then he goes and there's those guys that are screwing around so then he goes and they start fighting him, mm-hmm. and he's literally just brawling with these guys. Yeah. Right? So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. This guy was a total brawler. <laughs> um, you know who you remind? I, I guess that was all makeup, right? When he first.
0: Well, yeah. That whole. The, the, the whole. Um, they reinvent or like they redo his face and yeah. everything. Face. Yeah, the he just shaved his mustache. <laughs> no, but I
5: think his nose was different. I was like, he yeah. looks like. Um, watch The Walking Dead? I don't. Oh, but... man. Okay. So there's, like, uh, Rick, the main guy. Okay. Oh, I've heard it, yeah. His buddy, um, sheriff, deputy guy. Mm -hmm. He also played Punisher on Netflix.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He
5: looked like that guy. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh, yeah. But then, after he got, you know, his surgery (laughs) (laughs) and shaved his mustache and they shrank his nose or something. I don't know. It
0: was, they got his name off a bedpan.
5: Yeah, I guess there's a lot of thought that went into <laughs> yeah. that, right? It's like Remo Williams.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that, so that was fun. I liked, you know, that part of it, and then you get the old crotchety Wil- Wilford Brimley, you know, the, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the the bushy mustache. He's kind of like the the prototypical '80s, right? You know, kind of grump, but he worked well in that kind of you know espionage, right? You know, role. Um, but, yeah. but the whole thing was
5: they had this uh, computer system. Right. Which is, was, I love it, watching that It stuff. was tapping into anywhere that c- information could be pulled. Sure. Right? So it's like, oh, it's Google. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is, it is fascinating watching old technology because mm-hmm. all of it seems like dot matrix stuff. But yeah, it is like a precursor to the internet. And yeah. Like search engines.
5: Or what was that? There was a, a TV series. Um, not the Pretender. Um, it was all about uh, this super computer um, mm-hmm. that literally took like all the security camera footage. It took any kind of um, electronic footage, put it together, mm-hmm. and then tried to figure out um, something's going to happen to somebody. Right. right, And then they have this team of people go out and... Figure out like what's going on. Is is it is this a bad person? Is a good person? Or do we have to save this person? Right. right. So I was like, oh, it's kind of like
0: that yeah. too. Yeah. Right? See, Remo Remo was ahead of its time. I, I think so. They were they were thinking about making this into a TV series as well. Afterwards. I saw the pilot. Yeah. Oh, really? I watched it. Yeah. How, now, how was that?
5: It was like uh, basically trying to pick up where the first movie left off. Okay. Um, but with different actors.
0: Yeah. So who was playing Chun?
5: I don't know. Some. Dude, and he didn't, like, pull it off uh, as well as, what was the guy's name? Joel, Joel Gray. Yeah. yeah. Not quite the same, right? Yeah. It was, like, a, a B version of him. Okay. Um, and then Remo Williams was more like um, a long-haired uh, uh, Mel Gibson kind of okay. guy, right?
0: <laughs> of the 80s. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, you know.
5: You could see where it would have been a reasonable series. Like sure. I said, I think there's a lot to be built out and like, you know, all the different techniques he mm-hmm. picks up because he's only like, you know, like a kindergartner in uh, whatever the, the name of the art is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's got so much more to learn. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> he got stuff where, okay. So they're on this building, right? It's on <laughs> this fire. This is in the pilot. This is in the pilot. Okay. <laughs> and then, so these firemen come, they set up all these hoses and they're spraying down the, uh, the building and then it's... Uh, um, Remo Williams has to get off the building and Chun's up there. It's just like, okay, you got to figure out how to get down. And he's like, well, he's going to do this jump thing where he just jumps off the building and lands, you know, 40 stories down. Right. And he'll be fine. And he's like, well, you know, that's not the only way you could do it. And he's like, the, the firemen have provided you with everything you need <laughs> to get off this building. And he's like, what? What? He's like basically use the stream of water and you slide down that with (laughs) you like surfing down that thing right so he does that it's like oh my god so it's like
0: kind of at the end when he's walking on water yeah exactly right so he was doing that i was like
5: oh okay but you you could see how they just keep taking that up another level and then building out this relationship between chun and and
0: remo so they never went past the pilot so they did do the pilot and Mm -hmm. that was that yeah I, yeah. You know, this is the type of movie I think, one, could be remade because it never really took off. Yeah. Uh, and two, they could actually turn it into a TV series as well. And I think the Chung character would probably actually be someone who is of Asian descent, right. I would assume, I, today. Yes, yeah. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah.
5: They would almost have to be because they yeah. were, like, black-faced. Right. And so. um, yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, who would be good to play these parts well, that's a I good point uh, yeah like I, mean, I love chun because he's he's super funny i mean the one-liners funny, are yeah. amazing yeah. yeah and he watches soap operas yeah, oh.
0: <laughs> he's the <total> dichotomy. yeah. <laughs>
5: but he's like um this tiny yeah skinny guy right mm-hmm. really small skinny yet yeah. you know it's the whole super powerful just with his technique right. right so that's cool versus like you know i don't know you have like a even a Jackie Chan, I don't think, could pull it off. No, he's almost too good. Right, like, right. You need someone. Yeah, like, Chun can do whatever. It's got to you know. be someone like really unassuming, like they're yeah. frail almost. That's like yeah. Chun's almost frail. He's old. Right? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. Yeah. eighty-year-old yeah. Korean Yeah, guy, right? And I was like, yeah, I don't know how you could pull that off mm-hmm. with somebody today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Remo character would pretty much be easy to cast. I mean, like,
5: okay, who would yeah. you cast for Remo? That's, That's a
0: good. good. Go. I haven't really thought. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Anyone from like John Krasinski who's playing uh, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah, I mean, oh, you could get someone okay. like that to, yeah. to basically play Remo, or it could be anyone actually, uh, because really the, the the meat of it is Chun. I think you got to get Chun right, and then everything falls into place. I read
5: an article where it said that it was all about Remo Williams, but Chun stole the show. He did, right? Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I totally see. Well, that. it's
0: like the again. We always go back to the Karate Kid because it's the natural like you know mm-hmm. master student mm-hmm. uh, without Pat Morita. Yep. It, Karate Kid doesn't. It, yeah. It's not going to be memorable. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing with Remo Williams, even though it still didn't take off. But maybe it was. I wonder if Remo Williams came first and then Karate Kid came after it. I don't know. Yeah,
5: I don't know. I mean, it
0: wasn't like a super solid movie, right? No, there's a lot of whole. Like, I defy. Like, what was the plot? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, there is a plot. But, right. Yeah, it was, yeah it was actually.
5: So when I was watching it, yeah. all I was waiting for was the part where he runs on water. Right, <laughs> which, which is not very me, right, right. Yeah. I was like I was like, when's that part going to happen? That's what I'm excited about Yeah, because <laughs> that's all I really remember from the show was him yeah. running on water um, and just the way he was yeah. running with his hands <laughs> on the side. It's right? yeah. like, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was all about they're a super secret unit that has three people yeah. in it, right? Um, And then they're uh, supposed to go and do jobs for whatever they report to the president or something like that. And then this one was about uh, a weapon, right? A gun. That were faulty. That were faulty, right? And it killed some guy Right. and then that's why What's her face? The the yeah uh, Mulroney yeah yeah. I know her name Captain Janeway right yeah from Star Trek yeah exactly yeah
0: Yeah, that's what she became famous for so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they kind of I thought they could have used her more like she was kind of a they I didn't think they used her enough that's why the
5: adventure would have continued yeah that's right
0: (laughs) so was she in the pilot like that character she
5: wasn't no I did not see her in the pilot Um, and was
0: the Wilford Brimley character.
5: There was a guy. Yeah like did that. did he uh, um, did Chun call him like emperor or something like that in the movie?
0: Yeah, I mean that that is one interesting thing. Chun actually, even though he likes Remo, he said my loyalty lies to the whatever the the, the, the CIA or whatever their their yeah. group is called. Because so, he was
5: supposed to kill Remo. Yeah. should they be given up or something? Exactly, like that. Yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: So yeah. so that was interesting because you went, you know. Uh, Mr Miyagi was not going to kill Daniel. Science. No, no. <laughs> yeah,
5: and I don't know if Chun would have killed Remo Williams at the they end. Yeah, because really you think, become, it, uh, yeah,
0: good. but some of those lines are like you move like a pregnant yak mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It, they're so yeah. good. It, those are really well well written and they're delivered well. So yeah. yeah,
5: and they try that in the um, in the pilot, and mm-hmm. it's just It doesn't work. It, well. No, it feels like they're just restating the movie yeah. basically. Yeah. So yeah, I could see why it didn't take off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a little, it was, it was a, like, actually a lot of the stuff was duplicated from the movie mm. as far as
0: like certain sayings. Um, so yeah. So that's the thing they should have, since the movie didn't really take off, they should have probably, you know, kept the structure because that, that probably would have worked, but then mm-hmm. made it a little different because why do the same thing if it's not going to work on, Right. but then again, you never know. So I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself here. Naked Gun started as a TV show, didn't do well at all. And then when they made it a movie, it did really well. Uh-huh. And the reason is there's so many rapid-fire jokes on television. Uh-huh. Nobody, people that watch TV watch it differently. Uh-huh. You're doing other things. Uh-huh. When you're watching in a theater, you're gonna hear all the jokes because you're only watching. Yeah. Right. And so, so I don't know if it's the same equivalent of what could have worked on Rema Williams, but you know, maybe. You
5: know. Yeah. Then I heard that for casting, mm-hmm. and again, this is Wikipedia, so I don't know if it's but, be true. um uh, what's his name, uh, Harris, uh, Ed Harris? Yes. Was yeah. potentially going to be Remo. That
0: wouldn't have been bad. He's a good yeah, actor. I think yeah, I he would. Or-
5: and then also I heard Bruce Willis, a young Bruce Willis uh, was potentially. So
0: it's interesting, and we're going to kind of go off on a, t- a little bit of a tangent, then we'll, we'll come back to Remo. There's a great um, Netflix series about four movies that talks like that. I forgot what it's called, like Movies That Made Us or something like that. Uh-huh. And one of them was Die Hard, and they laughed, uh, the, the audience laughed when they saw a trailer of Bruce Willis in it, because they knew him as the Moonlighting guy. Oh, uh-huh. And so he wasn't an action star yet, he, w- he was more like kind of that suave character, right, he right. wasn't like a badass. And so it would have been interesting if they had casted Bruce Willis back then, because that would have been even pre-Moonlighting. Because now we think of him as an action star, but he really wasn't at that's the time. A, yeah, that's He was that's like crazy. a musician, too, who like he was playing Blues harmonica. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny how guys can transform their career. Yeah. And
5: then, um, what was it, um, Back to the Future, right? That was going to be cast. Yeah, Eric
0: Stoltz. was going to be yeah. uh,
5: Marty instead of... Uh,
0: and I guess Eric Stoltz might have also been in Teen Wolf, too. Oh, really? Yeah, there were the heat. Yeah, Michael J. Fox kept taking all his roles. But, yeah. Wow. yeah. Eric Stoltz is a great actor, but, I mean, there was something uh, about Michael J. Fox that he had that Yeah, because I think
5: they knew right away that this Eric Stoltz wasn't
0: going to work. It this, the but They had been filming for like six weeks, right. too. Right, and yeah. they had to
5: make that tough decision, yeah. right? Like, how much money was that?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, they must have <laughs> spent a fortune. But you know what? you got to get it right because yeah. it yeah, ended yeah, up yeah. being... Yeah, because Michael J. Fox was was starting to get big on uh, Family Ties. Um, And so he's starting to get that much bigger. We have a Teen Wolf episode coming out. And uh, he was shooting Teen Wolf when he he was talking about, yeah, they're going to cast me to replace this guy in Back to the Future. And then they kind of just started... You know, And then Family Ties ended up getting moved, I think, like Thursday night or something like that. It was right right after Cosby. Uh-huh. And then his star status went like through the roof. So, yeah, it, it is funny how amazing. this happens. Anyway, you rewatch Remo Williams. Yep. Does it hold up? Is this something you, you go back to now? Or is it like, ah, I liked it in the 80s, but now it um, doesn't really hold up?
5: Yeah, so uh, it had been so long since I would seen it. Um, again, I only remembered little bits and pieces of yeah. it, and it was the whole running on water part that I really
0: <laughs> remembered. Um, not yeah. the Statue of Liberty. No, that's not. funny.
5: Yeah, bits and pieces. Maybe some of his training, mm-hmm. uh, the training montages, and that's about it. I don't remember. I didn't remember the plot, like what the their whole thing was. Yeah. I didn't remember any of that kind of stuff. So then when I rewatched it um, again, I almost walk past the whole project, right. <laughs> right? It was just, I was looking. And it's not a short things. movie. It's a little no. bit over
0: two hours. Yeah,
5: so yeah, yeah. And I just, yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember this part. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. So in the end, I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed watching it. Would I watch it multiple times? I don't know. Okay. I think I'm, I've am i played it out. So. <laughs> maybe another 20 years, you'll you yeah, it. Yeah, maybe, 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 yeah. But I wouldn't uh, be mad if they did a, a reboot Re-made. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they could really do
0: something good with it mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, I think they have the foundation of something that could really work. Yeah, you know, they just got to get it right. So.
5: Yeah, because there's a lot of mixing of like the whole um, mystical side yeah. of the martial arts, right? Where you know the finger tapping board, the <laughs> yeah. put holes and things, and the running. Uh, I, he started running on the sand. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the precursor to running on on water, mm-hmm. but yeah, then it's just like. Chen's like float, float yeah. Right, and all of a sudden you see him just kind of running across the sand on top of it, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. So Um, martial
0: arts, because as you know, uh, people are listening. Stu's very much into judo. Yeah. And uh, so, how did you feel about the martial arts aspect of this? You know, it's a movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
5: it's like a movie type thing. And apparently, um, that Joel, what's his name? Joel, Joel Gray. Joel Gray. Yeah. Never did martial arts. No, and they didn't teach him any martial arts no. He was in cabaret. <laughs> like, he, was, right. yeah, he was. Yeah, he's a dancer. He's yeah. a Broadway guy. But it, like, his moves for like uh, you know dodging the bullets. Yeah, and yeah. Like yeah. Matrix yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah. 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 So, but when when Fred Ward did it though, it was a little bit more like clunky.
0: And, yeah. yeah.
5: But like, you know that also plays into who he is. I guess. Absolutely. Maybe. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I think
5: it's just like a fun sit there you know I could do other things while I watch it's a popcorn movie yeah, yeah exactly, yeah,
0: exactly. Kind of movie. well as always you're a great guest we're <laughs> going to have to find another movie cool. for you to watch I'm glad uh, Remo Williams fill it, fit and uh, we'll, we'll get back into good it good stuff yeah thanks again Steve. yeah
5: thank you
0: Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win.
1: There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>